to Life Lessons. We're Jen and Sherry. I'm Jen Stevens, a retired teacher of 28 years and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat. And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've worked in healthcare for over 26 years, and I've been an active volunteer for many organizations. We're both wives and moms, and let's face it, we're the glue that holds it all together in our homes. In our careers, we have always been problem solvers who help others. And that's what we'll be doing here, answering questions you didn't know you had, one smart solution at a time. We're always looking for ways to make our lives easier, help us be more productive, or improve our health and wellness. So let's live our best lives one day at a time, and let's have some fun along the way. everybody. We are so glad you're here today. Welcome to episode 43 of the Life Lessons Podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry? I'm doing really well. Anything new and exciting going on? Well, no, not really. My husband's off on Tuesdays now. I think I've shared that, which is really nice. We didn't have a day off together for like over two years. So we have been going to my in-laws on Tuesdays and having dinner and playing games. Oh, that's fun. We, we've been playing phase 10 the last couple of weeks, and I cannot convince them to go beach rules. And my husband loses horribly every time. And I'm like, if you would let us go with beach rules, you wouldn't lose so badly. Because he'll get hung up on a phase that he can't get past. Yes. Yeah. It's so much more fun when you play them however you want. I was on 10 and he was still stuck on six or five or something. He's still trying to get two sets of fours. And I was on my last phase. And yeah, we started out playing Blockus last night, but his dad wasn't a fan. So we went back to phase 10. tried, Tried and true. Well, he couldn't win. Oh, true story. My mother-in-law and, and I always win the games and the men, the men are very crappy about that. But oh my God, I have to tell you something funny about phase 10 real quick. What's that? Well, Chad plays in the craziest way. I told you how he puts his sequence down backwards. Yes. And it makes me want to punch him in the face. I don't. And I also have learned not to criticize him because then he doesn't want to play. So I just have to suck it up. But like if, for example, people, if you're playing like a sequence of one, two, three, four, you would probably put them down from left to right, one, two, three, four, like a normal person, like a number line, like the way numbers are, <laughs> like you're counting. Well, Chad sometimes puts them down one, two, three, four, but most of the time he puts them down four, three, two, one. Why? I don't know. It makes no sense. I'm like, what are you doing? Then it's confusing because I don't know what's the high, what's the low to play off of it, right? Right. And it's harder to build onto it. That's what I mean. Yeah, it's hard to build onto it. So we were playing with Will for the first time. We were playing phase 10 with Will. He'd never played it before. And Will played his sequence like Chad. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he went, I was like, eight, seven, six, five, four. I'm like, what is happening? So, I, mean, I don't know if it's genetic. <laughs> the inability to go from left to right with your numbers. But Will is like Chad. And I was just like, the world is crazy. I've never seen anyone play cards like that in my life. And it's not like we played a lot of cards growing up together as a family. But it was hilarious. He didn't learn that. <laughs> That's just his He did not learn it. It was not learned behavior. Exactly. I don't know if, if he's ever played a card game like that because Will. it's hard to get Will to sit down and play a game. He doesn't like to do it. But anyway, oh my gosh. So I have a good news segment for today. And I said, Sherry, I want to share my good news segment. So did you see my pictures of what happened to my light fixture? Yes. So I'm at the beach and 
you know, I'm, I'm here for actually three weeks and it's been rented all summer. So I'm here. We have one more renter coming in after I leave. And that person's going to be here for the entire month of September, which is, I think they're going to be a nice, nice renter and, and they'll enjoy being here. It's a beautiful month at the beach, but I'm trying to do like some maintenance things. So I was like, I'm going to change the light bulbs in this bathroom. <laughs> Cause I was turning all the, like changing all the hot light bulbs into LEDs cause they're cooler. So I was like, and also I think one of these is burned out. So, you know, that little thing you unscrew on a light bulb dome, the little nut or whatever. So I'm unscrewing it, unscrewing it, unscrewing it forever and ever and ever. And then the glass comes off and then the light fixture, boom, falls out of the ceiling. I have unscrewed it from whatever was anchoring it to the ceiling. So instead of just the dome coming off, the whole light fixture came down and it's hanging there. It's like, thank goodness it was attached by, there's like a little plug up there. And so it's just hanging by the cord. So it's just hanging there. And what has happened is the salt air made the nut rust on there so it wouldn't unscrew. And I'm like, oh, Lord. So I'm trying to reattach it through the little hole and try to fish it through the thing in the top. And it it will not. It will not attach to that at all. I can't do it. I'm like, I'm going to have to get this nut off or find another part or something. I couldn't do it with wrenches. So I go over to the Lowe's and I'm wandering around. And oh my gosh, shout out to the guys at the um, Surfside Beach Lowe's because they were they were so helpful. They had to stop helping me because they, they were sneaking around. They're like, we were told at the meeting yesterday not to use the tools. <laughs> <laughs> they were like using the tools. They're like, we're, we're not allowed to use the tools. But they tried to use the tools, but then the manager was coming. So I had to leave. <laughs> so they're like, I'm sorry, we can't help you anymore. But go to Sockisty Hardware, which is like a locally owned hardware store that's been here, I don't know, since the 80s. So they told me how to get there. So it was like five minutes away. So Lowe's sent me to Sockisty Hardware and I went there and the people at Sockisty Hardware were so amazing. I'm sorry, Lowe's, I'll probably go to Sockisty Hardware first <laughs> from now on. Cause you know, you like to support a local business when you can. The guy was fabulous. He was able to, he had a vice in the back and he was able to take the rusty part off and he, un- he unscrewed it and it, like advised me to go get some Vaseline and put it on the part when you're screwing it back together. So I was able to come back home and it was harder than I thought it would be to reattach it all to reassemble it. Cause, you know, you're standing on a step ladder and it's above your head trying to get it. And I couldn't get it to, to really quite, but I finally got it to work. So the, the light is attached. It's at the ceiling. The next time someone has to change the light bulbs, hopefully is in 10 years because <laughs> the, the LED bulbs have a 10 year, you know, they're like, these should last for 10 years. So fingers crossed. <laughs> Everything at the beach is more difficult because of the rust. Well, when you showed me the picture, I was like, next week, Jen and I will be replacing a light fixture. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the first guy I talked to at Lowe's, not the ones in the tools section, but the guy in the lighting section, I was showing him what needed to happen. He's like, I don't really know how to help you with that. I'm not an electrician. I'm like, it's removing a nut. I'm also not an electrician. I don't believe this is electrician level skills. I just was like, yeah, no. So then he sent me to tools. The guy in tools were fabulous. The guy in lighting didn't quite get it. But anyway, they. but people are just so nice. The moral of the story is great customer service everywhere I went. Even the guy in lighting, bless his heart, that sent me to tools. He sent me to the people that were, <laughs> that got me where I needed to be. So what I've learned also is if you just want help, wander around Lowe's and talk to everybody. The people that are wandering around Lowe's either can help you or can usually point you to someone who can. Yeah, we've been doing this bathroom demo or were, and we ran into some copper pipe issues. And Eric learned in high school during like construction classes how to work in copper pipe. And he was like, this is what we need. And he went to Lowe's and he's telling me all about it. And then we get there and they're like, you don't need that anymore. There's this new connection set. 
it's called shark bite or something. And they're like, you just need this and that and this tool. And Eric's mind was blown. And he's like, I don't need solder. I don't need blah, blah. And they talked him through the whole process, told him everything he needed. And then, you know, he like went through in his head, went back and he's like, okay, just to be sure I need to do this and this and this. And they're like, yep, you got it. And so helpful. For a minute, we thought we were going to have to hire a plumber and he was able to do it all himself with just a little help from the guy that worked in the plumbing department at Lowe's. So fabulous. Well, also shout out to Lowe's. So, and I will definitely go back to Lowe's as well, but Socasty hardware. I hope I'm saying Socasty, right? I think I am. I don't know how you'd see it. I see you typed it there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? So casty or something. I mean, we're in the South where people say things crazy. I used to live on Monticello Drive in Villa Rica. We only lived there briefly when I taught in Carrollton, but at Monticello. And I told my mother I lived on Monticello Drive. There's also a Monticello, Georgia. And she's like, it's pronounced Monticello because, you know, I grew up in Virginia. She lives in Virginia. And yes, in Virginia, they say Monticello. But in Georgia, they say Monticello. So never take it for granted how something <laughs> is pronounced. <laughs> then we've got Beaufort, South Carolina and Beaufort, North Carolina, both spelled the same way. Well, when I moved to Denver, I always assumed Pueblo, Colorado was pronounced Pueblo, but lots of locals say Pueblo, Pueblo, something like that. We've got a Martinez, Georgia, Martinez, Georgia, outside of Augusta. And like you would think it's Mar Martinez, but it's Martinez. So <laughs> I hope it's Socasty. Now I'm like saying Socasty. I don't know. Anyway, Socasty, <laughs> that's how I'm going to say it. So listeners, we need your stories. I bumped somebody's story so I could share mine today. Sorry, whoever was bumped, you'll be next week. But <laughs> send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us an amazing story or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. Before we get to the life lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast. And today, that's Beauty Counter. So quite often in our Facebook community, members will ask for suggestions on clean beauty products. And some of the members have no idea what that means. Um, they're like, I use this soap. <laughs> it's clean, right? <laughs> but <laughs> more and more consumers are becoming aware of the hidden dangers in the products that we use every day. Did you know that the largest organ on the human body is the skin? So everything that you put onto your skin is absorbed by your body. And then your other organs, your liver, your kidneys, your bladder, they're responsible for trying to clear it from your body. And this can include dangerous carcinogens as well as endocrine disruptors. Endocrine disruptors are agents that alter your body's hormones, neurotransmitters, and even your metabolism. They can affect everything from your moods to your sleep, to your thyroid, to your reproductive organs. And one way we can reduce exposure to these agents is by choosing carefully the products that we use on our skin. And for me, the easiest way to do that is to make the switch over to Beauty Counter for all my skincare and beauty needs. Not only are they safe, they are also effective. And over the last nine to 10 months, I have started replacing my conventional products a little bit at a time with Beauty Counter products. My skin has never looked better. Their makeup is wonderful and it lasts for my long 12 to 14 hour shifts. And I know that I'm doing one small thing to reduce my exposure to hazardous products. Beauty Counter has the Never List, which is made up of more than 1,800 questionable or harmful chemicals that are never used as ingredients in their product. 
This includes the over 1,400 chemicals that are banned or restricted in personal care products by the European Union, plus additional chemicals screened by Beauty Counter and found to be of concern. So when you shop with Beauty Counter, it really takes the guesswork out of your beauty routine. You can visit beautycounter.com forward slash Sherry Bullock or go to lifelessonscommunity.com forward slash beauty counter to learn more. And now it's time for our life lesson of the week. We are going to talk to an online friend of mine and Jen's who is a personal injury lawyer. We have both known Eddie for several years now. He was a guest on Jen's Intermittent Fasting Stories podcast, episode eight. He actually took the episode I wanted. I got episode nine. (laughs) So you're never going to let Eddie forget that, Never. No. mm -mm. I didn't even have to look that up. (laughs) (laughs) So recently, when my husband was injured on the job, I had a lot of questions and we felt like we were kind of getting the runaround from his company. So I found myself super stressed out one afternoon and I really wasn't sure like what to do. What should the next move be? Do I contact a lawyer? Do I not? How do we protect my husband from further injury? How did we get him, you know, the help that he needs to get better? And, you know, of course, protecting his job was like of utmost importance. So we didn't want to do anything that was going to, you know, upset that balance. But we also want to make sure that his rights were protected. And so, you know, those were some of the questions I had. And so I reached out to Eddie um, and I knew that he practiced in a different state and couldn't really advise me, but I was just hoping maybe he could get me headed down the right path and make me kind of feel like I knew what steps to take. And he gave me so much information that after I hung up, I just felt way more knowledgeable about what was happening. I felt empowered to actually make a decision instead of kind of frozen in this state of confusion and fear. And I actually reached out to Jen, told her that Eddie and I had a great chat. I said, I think this could be a life lesson. And she said, I think it could be too. So I reached out to Eddie. I asked him to talk with us today and maybe share that lesson with y'all. So welcome, Eddie. Thank you for chatting with us today. Thank you so much, Sherry. First of all, I hope your husband is feeling much better at this point in time. Well, we have made progress. We've seen a doctor and we have an MRI scheduled. And that's as far as we've gotten. So we're in a holding pattern. I wish him a full and speedy recovery. Thank you. And I want to thank you and Jin for this opportunity to speak to the listeners. And I think it's a duty of every lawyer to try and make legal services more widely available. So when you had questions, to the extent that I had some answers or could give you some guidance, uh, it's my privilege to do so. Well, that's wonderful because we really do wonder, like, you know, you hear people on TV, they're like, let me talk to my attorney. <laughs> but for, you know, for the most of us, we're like, I don't know what kind and, and all attorneys do different things. Like I have my college roommate is an attorney in Virginia and I needed some help with with trademarking for delay don't deny. And I'm like, hey, you know, what do I do? She's like, we hire people to do that for us. So she's an attorney, but hires an attorney to help her with that because every, every bit of the law is different. Yeah, law is so highly specialized. And I'm sure there are still many general practitioners. I don't envy them because I think even if you choose a narrow field of practice, it's still so technical. I think an important part that every practitioner can play is just in recognizing a problem, analyzing it, and knowing who is best to address it. I know that reading doesn't really come off too well on radio or podcasts, but but I want I want to just read something short to you that I looked at in knowing what we'd be talking about today. And I'm I'm gonna try to keep this very broad, not technical, 
the American Bar Association, which is uh, just a group for lawyers. And when I say just a group, what I mean by that is they don't have enforcement authority of any sort. That's really handled on a state-by-state basis in terms of regulating attorneys. But the ABA plays, uh, in my opinion, an important role in terms of advising the profession. And over the years, they have been behind a number of sets of rules for what's either termed professional conduct or professional responsibility, which broadly address, and I know some people will say this is an oxymoron, but lawyers' ethics. (laughs) We want an ethical lawyer. So- When I was in law school long ago, because there's a few versions since then, but under what was then called the ABA Model Code of Professional Responsibility, this is just a few sentences from there. The need of members of the public for legal services is met only if they recognize their legal problems, appreciate the importance of seeking assistance, and are able to obtain the services of acceptable legal counsel. Hence, important functions of the legal profession are to educate lay people, to recognize their problems, to facilitate the process of intelligent selection of lawyers, and to assist in making legal services fully available. So I graduated law school in 1985. And I have remembered this since I learned it, that anytime I speak to someone you know, if it's something I can help them with, I want to help them. And if it's something that I can direct them toward better help, I want to do it. So Sherry, quite understandably, was anxious after her husband was injured. So I wanted to point her towards the best possible resources. I think something came up, uh, Sherry, in our conversation that even transcends what lawyers do and what I just read. And this is a whole other field. And my wife is a psychotherapist, and I feel this is more in her field. But it's the feeling people have when they approach any professional, feelings about their own self-worth, feelings about their entitlement or lack of entitlement to obtain assistance. And I think when you said that it was empowering, and I'm so grateful for that, but knowledge is empowering, but it was empowering when you and I spoke you know, I thought all these issues were sort of percolating up, you know, both the legal technical issues, but the emotional issues as well. Absolutely. I mean, I think when you're in a position that you need legal aid, you are in a position that is important. One, whether it's livelihood, life, death, divorce, injury, these are all like life-changing situations that you contact an attorney for. So, I mean, I think when you're in that situation anyways, you're already in a heightened sense of stress. You're vulnerable. You feel very vulnerable and you don't even know, like you don't feel safe possibly and you're not confident in the field to know. I like what you said at the beginning, Eddie, in that the part that you read, helping someone know, do you have a problem? You don't even know. Do I have a problem? I don't know. (laughs) Right. Or you are so paralyzed with like, I don't know what step to take that isn't going to make this worse. So, so many times people just don't take a step where like when I reached out to Eddie, he gave me those next few steps I should be taking. And he gave me the knowledge to move forward courageously. And, you know, that in itself was empowering. 
But you don't have to make every decision on your own because there are trained professionals who know the right decisions to make. That's their field. That's their training. That's what they do every day. So it's not up to us to know everything. Absolutely. What I read, by the way, that's not a rule for lawyers. That's an aspirational guideline. Like a mission statement almost. Yes. At the time, it was called an ethical consideration. But, you know, I feel... Also, getting ready to speak with you ladies, I I just looked up out of curiosity how many lawyers there are in the United States, and it's something like 1.3 million. So I'm certainly not saying that every lawyer, you know, thinks this way or abides by this. I hope many do. I know that I try to, and we encourage that in my firm. I tell the people that come to work for us that everyone who calls us that they should think of that caller as their 80-year-old frail grandmother who's very anxious about like what's going to happen. Because people, especially in what we do, we, we handle injury cases. So people are scared, anxious, confused, angry. You know, we're catching them at a difficult time. And we want to be calming, reassuring, encouraging, supportive. So tell us when, okay, you have found yourself in a situation and you're unsure with how to proceed and it does have legal implications. Like what types of situations would you suggest a person contact an attorney? Just like off the top of your head, what are the most common reasons why you would want to have legal representation? Okay. So my view of the answer to that is whenever you think If you have even a speck of thought that this might be a legal issue that I need to know more about, you'd be well served to get legal advice. Now, the barrier to that, I think for most people, is cost. There's three, maybe more, but three considerations, time, energy, and money, right? So, and by energy, I would even mean like sort of a emotional disinclination or, but let's take time and energy out of the equation for now. I think money is the biggest factor. So again, keeping with what I read, lawyers, in my mind, have an ethical duty and responsibility. Now that doesn't mean that somebody might call up a lawyer who's going to quote an outrageous fee or be rude or hang up the phone or say, you know, if I don't get your credit card, we're not talking, you know, Do those things happen? I'm sure they do. However, and this is part of what we talked about, Sherry, most counties in the United States have a, a bar association. Most bar associations have a lawyer referral service. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm so glad to share information that you didn't know. Because that, that's really the point, right? So most of those lawyer referral services, for the lawyer to be listed in that service, I actually referred a friend to something in Pennsylvania this morning because I'm licensed in New York. And I went to the site, we were on the phone, and it said that in consideration for the lawyer to be listed there, they agreed to give a either a free or low-cost initial consultation, and sometimes there'll be a time limit on it, like either the first 15 minutes or the first 30 minutes are free, and sometimes it's very low-cost. Like this particular one, it was like $30 for 30 minutes. Now, I understand there are some people who don't even have the $30. I'm going to 
give those people a suggestion as well. But, you know, hopefully for most people, if it's a serious problem and, you know, you are in some way at risk, usually financially, you know, for a $25, $30 investment, you're getting good information. There used to be a clothing store in New York, and I, I found out it was actually in 16 states, but uh, they were called Sims. I don't know if you ever heard of it, Cy Sims. It was a clothing store. They went out of business. They advertised a lot. They had a great slogan, an educated consumer is our best customer. And I always remember that. And we each have a duty to ourselves to become educated consumers. So if you can, when you call one of these lawyer referral services, Ask for two names, ask for three names, especially if it's free or especially if it's like there's a $15 charge or something. And, and by the way, I'm in New York, which is densely populated. If you're in, you know, I'm just making it up, but Wyoming, each county may not have this. It might be that the main city has one or the state bar has one. But usually at some level, the bar association, and you could start county, you know, go city, you know, and then go state. But there's almost always at some level a lawyer referral service, again, at low cost or even free. So you want to know a specialty. This morning, my friend needed a collections lawyer, but domestic law for custody issues, matrimonial issues, bankruptcy, uh, criminal law, immigration law, you know, whatever it is. So you call up lawyer number one to make yourself feel comfortable. First question, is there a charge for this? How much is it? How long can I talk to you? Like, put it right on the table. If you're bashful, make yourself do it. Make believe you're taking care of your child and you're actually taking care of your inner child, right? Like you're accompanying your inner child to a consultation with this grown-up figure of authority who is actually just a person just like you who just got a little more training in an area. They're, they're, they're nothing more than that. So you're going to interview that person. This is my situation. Do you do this work? How long have you been doing it? How many of these cases have you handled? How long do these cases usually take? What's the usual outcome? What should I expect? You do a thorough interview. You end the interview with, thank you for all that information. I want to think about it, or I want to talk to my spouse about it, and I will follow up as needed. Thank you so much. You do the same thing with number two. If you have the time and energy to get to number three, I, I always joke, you're usually a semi-expert by number three yourself, right? Because number one and number two have already told you enough about these are the guidelines, these are the strengths of your situation, these are the potential obstacles, etc. Now, I said that for people who can't afford that, or even if you can't afford it, even if the money's no problem at all, I'm going to recommend a private company right now that I have zero affiliation with, but I, I know people who've had a good experience with it, and I've even used them myself. The company is called it's, it's Avo, A-V-V-O.com. So, you know, you could type in Atlanta, Georgia, divorce lawyer, Avo, or you could go to their website and look it up that way. But they have a feature called Ask a Lawyer, and you can ask a lawyer, and usually several lawyers will respond. Now, the downside is that sometimes, you know, like some other professionals, we have to be careful about giving advice that is not tailored to a person's specific circumstances. So a lot of times the lawyers will be very careful and they'll give a little bit, but it'll mostly be, you should call a lawyer for a consultation. 
You know, so there's a little bit of a circular loop right there. But depending on what you're asking, you can still get value. Now, here's another way to use Avo. Avo rates lawyers. I think you get something like, I don't remember this exactly, so please don't quote me on it. But I think if you're even licensed or admitted, you get like a rating of 6.75 or something. And then it goes up depending on all kinds of things, years in practice, things that you've written in the field, speaking engagements, reviews by colleagues, just like a whole list of criteria. And you can work your way up to a 10. And a 10 is the highest. Now, I have known lawyers who were a 10 that, in my opinion, they got there because they were very politically connected and that kind of thing. I think they are the exception. I've known lawyers who I thought were brilliant, and they were like at a 6.75 or a 7 because they just never bothered to submit the credentials that would get their rating higher. So my point in this is it's not perfect. And like with everything, you need to be careful. But if you're looking for something and you see in your area a bunch of 10s and you start calling the 10s and you put them through that same process that I mentioned earlier, you call 10 star number one, speak to her. Thank you. Let me get back to you. 10 star number two. Again, by number three, you're almost an expert. I say that tongue in cheek. So between that ask a lawyer, which is free, between the shopping around, you know, when should you call a lawyer? Like, why guess at this stuff? Now, in my field, you know, in the personal injury field or the workers' compensation field or the medical malpractice field, lawyers charge on a contingency, meaning they only get paid if and when they win. So there, in this field, there is never a reason not to call. This is an aside, but cases are governed by statutes of limitations, which is the amount of time that you have to start a lawsuit. After that, it's over. I got a phone call on Saturday from someone who the last day that they could take action was the day before. It actually, this is sensitive and poignant, but obviously I'm not mentioning any names. It gets even worse. Many states, I don't know about across the country, but in New York State, people that were the victims of sexual abuse, most often by the clergy, sometimes there were charges with the Boy Scouts of America. Some of these people were victims 40, 50, 60 years ago. The statute of limitations had long expired. Two years ago, the legislature passed a bill and the governor signed into law a bill that for one year reopened the amount of time that they could bring a lawsuit. So if something happened to you 50 years ago, you now had one year to sue again. Because of COVID, they added an additional year. This person called the day after. I couldn't believe it. Oh my gosh. You know, something that I've had a couple incidents in my life, and I, I said to you that I had an incident that happened in like 2013. And at the time, I was overwhelmed by what had happened. I was I was attacked by a patient and the whole incident was sort of swept under the rug. And I had some lasting difficulties after that. And I was advised by the hospital I worked for at the time not to push through, not to press criminal charges, not, you know, not to do anything. And then eventually my entire work comp claim was thrown out in the whole mess. And at the time, I was so overwhelmed with everything that happened and the emotions of it and the physical injury of it that 
but I did nothing. And it wasn't until later that my brain was in a clear spot that I thought, why didn't one person tell me to contact an attorney and ask them what I should do, right? Because I'm listening to people who had a vested interest in me not pursuing anything. I didn't ask anybody who had a vested interest in me and, you know, my long-term health and outcomes after that or whatever, or, you know, even this patient who needed some extra help maybe slipped through the cracks because I didn't take, you know, measures to protect myself. And at the time, I just didn't know what to do. So I think one of the reasons that after I talked to Eddie, I thought I want to bring this out into light and talk about this conversation because sometimes you need an advocate for you when you can't be your own advocate. I didn't have an advocate. So contact somebody who wants to advocate for you and then knows how to advocate for you. And all they can do is say no, right? Yeah. You know, there's an expression, if I am not for me, who is for me? If I am only for myself, what am I? And if not now, when? And I agree with what you said. We all need help. I love that you used the word advocate. To make it even broader, we all need help sometimes. But I think it begins more than anything with us being our own advocate, meaning to advocate ourselves to find the advocate or to find the help. Sherry, I so feel for you in what you were caught up with that made you think there wasn't the next step. And you just needed like one drop of someone to say, you know, you should you should just check this out. You should call that uh, lawyer referral service for the free consultation or you should go on Avo. And look, the Internet Internet makes everything. Well, in some ways, we know the negatives, but it makes a lot of things easier. And, and what, like this thing, like ask a lawyer, look, you even got to me through the Internet. You know, I mean, we have more resources now than ever before for knowledge. And, and knowledge is power. But we all need to either be, you know, like be empowered or act empowered, you know, to take that step. I was so glad that you called me and, and so glad the next day when you told me, you know, I, I connected with this person and now things are moving in the right direction. You know, that is heartwarming as opposed to the call I told you I got this weekend, which is heartbreaking. Right. I think one of the most important things you said that really should help everybody is when you reminded us that lawyers are just people. They're just people who have a different skill set and a different knowledge set. And I think a lot of people are intimidated. Yes. Like intimidated to call an attorney and like, am I going to be wasting his or her time? And so I'm just not even going to call. Are they going to think I'm really stupid for calling? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm certain whatever you say, they have heard something crazier. Like my thought was, is this a big enough problem yet? It, it, would I be wasting somebody's time today? Do I wait till this blows up? Like, when do I call? How do I know that I'm supposed to call? Or are they going to say, why are you calling me? This isn't even a problem. I mean, and that in itself causes more stress, right? So you're just adding stress to yourself, trying to think through, do I call now? Did I wait too long? I, my takeaway from Eddie is make the call. Yeah. You know what? And I, I want to say something too about the intimidation factor. I could understand that, and I'm sure that gets played out across the country many times every day. And this, what I'm about to say is not legal advice. It's just sort of like friendly advice and life advice that I have picked up along the way. If someone makes you feel that way, I don't think I can use the language that's percolating up for me right now. Like if you went to a restaurant and they were rude to you, 
Or you ask them to explain the ingredients in a dish and they like rolled their eyes and wanted to act like you were stupid. You know, and I tell our clients, we work for you, you're the boss, and our job is to give you information and advice. Then your job is to make the decisions and tell us what you want us to do on your behalf. But if a person is rude to you, and and I don't care if they're a plumber, you know, if they're a car mechanic, a dentist, a hair cutter, if they're rude, you know, bye-bye. So, you know what? what, I actually wrote this down. The The criteria for finding a professional, what is it? Ability, availability, and affability. Oh, I love that. You know, because you... If they make you feel dumb for calling, call the next name on the list. Right. Exactly. And you've said a couple of times, they work for you. I mean, you're essentially their employer, right? You're paying them. So if you don't like them, fire them or don't hire them. And also, who has permission to be rude to you? Yeah. When we were buying our first house, Chad and I, this is back in, gosh, was it 92? It was a long time ago. I remember the real estate agent that we called was showing us this house that we ended up buying and we wanted to make an offer. And we're like, we'd never done that before. And we were young. We were so young. And I was like, well, okay, let's make an offer. And we threw out a number that we wanted to offer. And he slammed his hand down and he said, don't waste my time to us. And I was just like, I mean, I never forgot how he made me feel. I would never call that realtor again, though. Never. And and we felt like, gosh, are we wasting his time? And, and that you should not be working with any professional, realtor, attorney, physician who makes you feel like you're wasting their time. You know, okay, fine. Your time is more valuable than me. Go be valuable somewhere else. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I'll tell you, that's another internet thing. You know, like that realtor, you know, nowadays you can go give him a Google review or her. And, you know, even though people should be nice because it's the right way to be, in my opinion. But now people could pay a very heavy price business-wise if people go online and say, this person was rude, I had a bad experience with them. But what I would say, I mean, I know a lot of the listeners, I want to be like politically correct right now. I know a, a lot of the people, a lot of the listeners are women and that historically, you know, I know we're living in times of change. But historically, a lot of women especially have been taught, you know, to kind of go along with, with, don't make waves, go along with the program, you know, just be polite and, you know, however you want to express that. But I think, you know, my wife, actually, we have a joke between us, like, wear your crown. I think a lot of people and, you know, a lot of women, I want to say, need to learn to wear their crown, not to overdo it, but to, you know, have that feeling like, hey, I'm entitled to excellent treatment. I'm not going to be spoken to that way. And, you know, I think if you start with that, so start with I'm entitled to excellent treatment. It's my money. I want to be an educated consumer. If questions arise, I'm going to first reach out to like the low hanging fruit of the free resources. You know, I'm going to use this model of able, available, and affable. You know, and again, if you speak to three people, if you speak to five people, you're going to say, okay, this one seemed more experienced, but this seemed like a person I could work with better, and but I still have enough confidence. Whatever the balancing is going to be. Right, right. Yeah. You'll know in your heart which one feels like you click and like you're going to, you're going to be able to work with them and they're going to fight for you. 
Well, Eddie, this has been wonderful. And I think it has been so very helpful. I think every listener will find something to take away. I I learned some things and I'm going to be more confident in the future when I need an attorney. And and really the, the main lesson is if you think you need one, call. <laughs> yes, thank you. Is there any, you know, ending ending statement or any final advice you'd like to leave with our listeners? Sorry, that one threw me for a moment. <laughs> Jen stumped Eddie. (laughs) Another oxymoron, the speechless lawyer. Oh, goodness. (laughs) You know what? Do I have two minutes? Well, sure. This is something else I pulled up because I was, because you know what touched me the most about when Sherry reached out was to some degree the whole, the specifics of finding a lawyer, but also what I said earlier about the broader issues of not feeling entitled, but feeling deserving, that we could all use a healthy dose of that, I think. And uh, this was something I took off the internet from 2018. Jin talks about mindset in DDD. She has an entire blog post dedicated to it. Mindset is everything. So I pulled this up because it has to do with work. For instance, I just arrived at work for the second of four nights. I work every single weekend night. That's my job. I work with people who have to rotate weekends or the only position they could get was weekends only. So they begrudgingly take it and then are unhappy and make everyone around them feel miserable with their constant complaining because they feel like they deserve a Monday to Friday job. Me, it's my Friday, which is usually my first night back. I picked up OT last night, but I'm smiling. I'm in an awesome mood. Why? I mean, my stepkids are at the house this weekend, as they are every other weekend. I often miss out on family events and barbecues and weddings, but healthcare was a life I chose. And people don't choose to get sick. They certainly don't decide to get sick or injured on weekends, nights, and holidays, but it happens. And when it happens, they need people available to care for them. I choose to work weekend nights. Most of my 20 plus year career, I have worked nights and weekends. Why? Because I have the right mindset for it. Because I understand that my services are needed 24-7-365. And I chose this life. My patients deserve to have a caretaker with a positive mindset, whether it's 1 p.m. or 1 a.m., Wednesday or Saturday or Christmas. Is it inconvenient sometimes? Is it ideal for family life and family time? No, but it's my choice. And what I get back from that choice makes it worth it. I have the satisfaction of knowing that my patients are getting positive and helpful care during their stay with me. And that in some way, maybe I am making their illness or injury less horrible. And when I go into my 12-hour shift with an I'm going to rock this night attitude, more often than not, I do just that. Now, you're going to have to guess who the author of that is, but... That was Sherry. Bing, bing, I knew bing, it. I was like, yes, That's Sherry. Yeah. So Sherry, put the, she posted that on, on a, in the Facebook group at one time? She did. And here's why I read it. It was, A, one of the best things I ever read on the interwebs, number one. Number two, you could substitute healthcare with lawyer in the sense that I chose this. Other lawyers chose it. If they're going to be rude, if they're going to make you feel intimidated, then they don't live up to the standard of what this post that Sherry wrote is about, you know? So we need more Sherry's. I aspire to be like that. You know, when she reached out to me, I remembered this post. So thank you for letting me read that all. 
Well, thank you. And and Eddie, I, that's a great lesson. And Sherry, thank you for those beautiful words. When did you write that? Do you know the date of it? Oh, yeah. May 4th, 2018. Oh, wow. And the last thing I responded to Sherry was from the poem, I, work is love made visible. I love it. If the person you're working with doesn't have that attitude, see ya. <laughs> Well, Eddie, this has been absolutely wonderful. I have loved connecting with you. And I know Sherry. Sherry's tearing up and she's wiping her eyes. She's crying. I am. (laughs) I'm the crybaby of the two of us. (laughs) Well, I cry on the inside. Okay. (laughs) Well, thank you, Eddie, for being with us today. Well, it was my pleasure. You two are wonderful. Keep helping people through this podcast and being your wonderful selves. Thank you so much. Thank you. Before we get to the listener-led lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about a company that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast. ButcherBox is my go-to source for high-quality meat I can trust. They are a certified bee organization, and you can choose from 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood to build your personal box. You can get a range of high-quality cuts and an amazing value. Shipping is always free. They deliver to your door on your schedule and you can cancel anytime. And once you have a ButcherBox membership, you'll have access to incredible member deals and exclusive add-ons. For new members, ButcherBox always has a fantastic special offer and we will always have the most current offer linked on the Shop With Us tab at lifelessonscommunity.com and in show notes. So go to the Shop With Us tab at lifelessonscommunity.com to find today's special offer. And every time you order from ButcherBox, it helps us bring you the podcast and you can be sure you are giving your family the best meat available to you. Awesome. So next we have a segment we call our listener-led lesson. It might be a life hack, a book recommendation, a special recipe, a kitchen tip, or anything along those lines. And today's listener-led lesson comes from Mary. Mary says, did you know that your washing machine needs to be cleaned from time to time? Are your clothes or laundry closet starting to smell musty? If so, then it's beyond time to give them a good cleaning. If you have a front load washer, this is more important than ever as they tend to have more issues with mold and mildew. Be sure to get a toothbrush and some hydrogen peroxide and really get into the rubber seal around the door and clean it really well. Then add one to two cups of vinegar to your liquid detergent dispenser. Wash on the sanitized or hottest water setting you have for a full cycle. Wipe the inside of the washer down to remove any debris that might have come out as a result of breaking down any hard water deposits during the cleaning cycle. If you still have an odor, you can run a second cycle with one-third to half a cup of baking soda added to the drum. Once you get it clean, you can alternate and one month clean with vinegar and then the next month with baking soda. This will keep your washer clean and your clothes smelling fresh. If you have a top-load washer, fill the drum with hot water, add three cups of vinegar, let it sit for a bit, and then run the full cycle. Try to leave the door open when it's not in use, and don't leave wet clothes in the drum. This will help to keep it fresh when not in use. That's a great tip. At the end of each show, we share a motivational quote from a listener. Today's quote comes from Janine. The quote is, The secret of staying young is to live honestly, eat slowly, and lie about your age. She said, I heard this once when I was younger. It is a quote from Lucille Ball. Oh, I love Lucy. It struck me how much truth there was to it. I had a brother who couldn't tell the truth to save his life, and he was always running around covering up his lies and mistakes, constantly stressed and worried. I remember thinking that he was going to give himself an early death. If he would just be honest, he could save himself so much grief and stress. 
He passed away much too young from health problems, and I always felt it was from his high-stress lifestyle. As for eating slowly, you really do eat less when you eat more slowly, and we know that leads to better health. I practice IF, so I look much younger than other people my age. I don't lie about my age, but people sure think I do. I love that. Yeah. We don't need to lie. I like yeah. love to tell people I'm 52. <laughs> <laughs> well, listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. I think it's been a wonderful episode. Make sure to join the podcast Facebook community. It's called Life Lessons with Jen and Sherry. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And we'd also love for you to leave a review on iTunes. That helps us reach others. Do you have a story to share for our good news segment, a listener-led lesson, or a motivational quote that means something to you? Or do you have an area of expertise that you would like to share as our featured guest for the week as we present our weekly life lesson? Email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com and listen each week to see if we share your story or tip. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.